Welcome to an all-new Chasing the Word series on Compassion Radio. Honey, it's an all-new Chasing the Word, and I mean all-new because we're moving on from the book of John, which we spent almost, I think, two years I in. I think so. And we're moving on to some of the epistles now. We wanted to jump around and do some things that not a lot of people talk about in a Bible study context, and certainly our style of doing Bible study is conversational. Mm -hmm. You and I bounce ideas off each other. We read the Word together. We let people ponder what they're hearing and reading, and we encourage them to join with us in the process of sussing out what God has to say to us in this generation and this time in the most powerful way possible, Mm -hmm. and to invite others to help us understand better what God's doing right now. We believe that happens in community, and not just from a pulpit preaching coming at us one directional. We just open our ears and suck it all in. That's important here, good, solid preaching, but it's just as important in my mind that we spend time together in the Word, with the Word, thinking the Word, praying the Word, and then going out to do the Word. It is a collaborative effort to get the Bible into our bloodstream, so to speak. (laughs) So that's why we do this. And the book we're going to approach now is? The Book of Jude. Jude, we would think that would be a a one-and-done kind of thing. But, of course, we have always unpacked the Word of God together. I don't expect we're going to get done with this in one day. Well, we were talking about this before we decided exactly which book we were going to jump into next. We both were kind of thinking, oh, it's going to be just one or two programs, and we'll be done with the book of Jude. But once we started really reading and chewing on it and discussing it back and forth, we thought, there's a lot more here than we ourselves, you and I, Bram and Sandy, have given it credit for. Well, and, we should well, be giving plenty of credit well, to it. Sure, but I just think we didn't think the depths were as deep as they appear to be You know, after we've read it. Dip your toe in, get your scuba suit on because it's <laughs> exactly. going to go deep. This reminds me of a story years ago. I had to tease my pastor at the time because he jumped into the book of Romans and said, we're going to take this on, go through it. As long as it takes for us to get through the book, we're going to do it together. He spent the whole first sermon on the first verse mm-hmm. of Romans. <laughs> and so I did the math on that. It was going to be like a four and a half year exercise in at getting least. through the book of Romans just to get through one verse at a time. Not to mention all the other teaching goes with it. That's a pretty long course. Of course, he didn't do it quite that slowly. But the point is, sometimes you got to pause mm-hmm. and focus on something that's crystal clear, but has a lot of depth. And we just assume we get the facet of it. The thing that's facing us is the only thing that it's saying or could mean for us. We know that the Word of God often comes at us from a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. And the more we share, like we've been talking about, the more we spend time together the more of that deeper stuff seems to bubble up. So we're going to jump right into the book of Jude and actually read the entire thing through in a modern translation. And then we get to the end of that. We'll jump into the first couple of verses, and then we'll see how far we get on this. My guess is we'll probably spend about a month or so in this one book. Again, Bible studies, questions, things you can use for your own discussion with friends are available on our website on the podcast page. So don't hesitate to download that PDF and do this for yourself or someone that you love. Here's the book of Jude. Jude a servant of Jesus Christ, and a brother of James, to those who have been called, who are loved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith that the Lord has once for all entrusted to us, His people. For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only Sovereign and Lord. Though you already know all of this, 
I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Yet these people speak abusively against whatever they do not understand, and what things they do understand by instinct, like unreasoning animals, these are the very things that destroy them. Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain, they have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind. Autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame. Wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See? The Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts they have done in an ungodly way and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But to you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now, and forevermore. Amen. And amen. Well, friends, that's an entire book of the Bible. It's the shortest one we know of, of course. It tackles some of the things that the earliest church was dealing with in that generation coming out of the apostles. Jude, the author here, if he's a brother of James the Apostle, is going to be a younger brother of Jesus. These are men who followed Jesus and saw him do his work, and the word says they didn't really become believers. They didn't buy in until after the resurrection of Jesus. There could be a lot of reasons for that, but it always has astounded me that Jesus, for all he was to those who followed him, his own family couldn't buy in. His mm -hmm. mom did, apparently. But his brothers and sisters, for jealousy or for confusion or for whatever else, seemed to be 
against him at times, Mm -hmm. or at least absent. And they certainly weren't his fans that we know of in the Word of God. It makes you wonder Mm. about what it is about family dynamics, even for Jesus, that would prevent them from having agreement within their own group of siblings. Yeah. Well, we know from reading the book of John, at one point, Jesus' brothers and sisters and his mother even came to him and said, come on, come back home. You're not really doing the right thing here. You need to come back home. I don't know what point his mother decided then, I'm going to stick with him instead. But at that point, it seems like his family is kind of calling him crazy a little bit. You know, come back home do the right thing. Take care of mom. You're the oldest brother. Let's all live happily ever after kind of thing. It does seem strange to me that all of a sudden, and I know it's not all of a sudden, but it appears that way. We read these books like the book of James and we see in Acts how James, the brother of Jesus, became one of the great foundations of the church and of the faith. And now we see Jude, his younger brother, even standing up and saying, listen, I get it. Those, you know, that have come from we've got this new faith and belief. It's easy to be deceived by things that sound easier, sound good and sound prosperous to us. And he talks about that throughout the book and reminds people of where we have actually come from. Remember, he's saying these things from the past. And he's identifying them with generations past. And of course, he's speaking primarily to a Jewish audience. Mm-hmm. It's quite possible, though, that this is a um, lessons that are spilling over into the Gentile church during the generation that Paul was reaching out to. There was still a battle royale going on, it seemed, in the church, but that the people who had come to Christ would have to become Jews mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. or Jews in the process of becoming followers of Christ right. as a rabbi. We don't have that problem across the centuries that we look back now saying, well, no one's holding us to the fire saying, you should be a Jew first. There are probably still some people that would think that. And there's probably plenty of people within the Jewish community now which would wish we would just all be good Jews. And if you're going to follow this rabbi, at least do it within the camp. Become a true Jew before you move on to differences of opinion about teachings on things. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think most of the the moderate Jewish movement would entertain the possibility that Jesus is a strong moral teacher and has a lot of great input and perspective. They wouldn't necessarily then go the next step and say, well, of course then, because he is so authoritative on things that he is therefore the Son of God, the Messiah, Mm -hmm. the Anointed One, the Son of Man. Those are all the distinctives of Christian theology and doctrine. But what he taught, the things he's calling us to, those are things that could be debated in all kinds of circles. And they are even debated within moderate Islam. Jesus is still a subject and a person that is being dealt with in all the major world religions. Right. But the question of his identity is not what Jude is even dealing with. He knows that the salvation has come for us. Okay, for all of you who already know you're saved, let's talk about something that's causing real problems. Mm-hmm. And you got to watch out. That seems to be the big message for me in this. He's saying, watch out. Mm-hmm. Friends, Compassion Radio is now in its 80th year of ministry. And I think that's pretty amazing. For eight decades now, we've depended upon the faithful encouragement of partners just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. Of course, a lot has changed in those years. Now you can hear any of our programs with a click of a mouse or a tap on your phone screen. You can share what you learn with your friends, family, and congregation with another simple click. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. Now, besides all the things you can get out of Compassion Radio, it has never been easier than right now to be part of what's going on in and through Compassion Radio. And we want you to. And that means taking a step towards helping us stay on the air and in the field. 
We want to bring amazing stories of life change and timely news of God's people in action, bringing the love and compassion of Christ to a new generation. If you've never supported us before, would you consider doing so this month? Many of you have given in the past, and that's why you're hearing my voice today. With so much changing in technology and culture, we need you more than ever, so please keep on with us. Maybe even consider a monthly gift of any size through our vision team. If we could find 200 more partners this year, that could be individuals, study groups, churches, or even like-minded businesses anywhere in this country who would be willing to commit just an average of $50 a month, we could guarantee our operating and project budget for 2022 and 2023. And that's only a small fraction of those who hear this program across this country. If a few from each of our partner stations could make that commitment, we'd cover half of the entire need. I know that many of you can and want to give more, so I'll not be shy in asking for that support. So thank you for seriously considering this request and challenge. Now in our 80th uninterrupted year of ministry, I believe God has exactly the right team in place. And because you are hearing me right now, I believe you're one of those special people. Here's how to do it. Our toll-free number is 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just let us know your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you as you stretch your faith this year. And I hope that we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many more years to come. You got to watch out. That seems to be the big message for me in this. He's saying, watch out. Mm -hmm. He's not saying, woe unto them the entire time. He does have a big woe in there in the middle. But this book, to me, seems like when you read it in English, like it's a big polemic against evildoers and against all those bad people that could get into the church, be on guard about who comes to us. Mm -hmm. I don't get that when I read the whole book in sequence here. Mm -hmm. What I get from him is a warning against teachers coming in when you don't have the whole book yet. It hasn't been published. We don't have the NIV or the ESV or the anything else in print to read. The early church has been dealing with letters flying around, and they don't always have a conference saying, well, what do you believe or understand about what God said in this book of Isaiah? Absolutely. It was a warning to those who he's writing to. We right. have to look at it in context and say, right. this letter was written to some specific people. But you and I both know that we can also glean a lot of wisdom from ages past by reading this book. Right. We can... Even if we don't see we're part of that particular group he's talking to, we're exactly. definitely looking over his shoulders. But who is he talking about? And that's a big question that is not often discussed I've seen in the commentaries. He's not, as far as I can tell, talking about the average churchgoer. Somebody walks in and has a strange idea. He's talking primarily about people who claim authority to teach. Mm -hmm. He's talking about those who come in with the idea of saying, I got the word here on this. In fact, there's a syncretism we need to be about here. Jesus is great and all, but there's so much more we need to consider in deciding what to do next. Mm -hmm. And they won't call sin out because sin's not really all that defined yet. But it's also, I think, Jews' intention here to call out a spirit of things, not doctrines. Mm -hmm. He's not saying... Right. These particular things they're preaching are evil. He's saying evil people are preaching bad doctrine. They're distorting the gospel is yeah. what he's saying here. They're, they've come in and they've distorted the message of grace, are seeking to elevate themselves above the grace of God. Right. But he's also not re-describing or re-explaining anything. 
He's not saying this is the doctrine, this is the true faith, this is the true theology. Well, it would seem to me that that is already a given in this situation. That's already something that these people know because he's saying, I'm doing my best to write you about salvation we share in common, but I need to remind you of some things. I need to encourage you to hold fast to that stuff and not to start to believe the things that tickle your ears, as the Apostle Paul says, to draw them away from the truth of the grace of Jesus Christ. Which makes it sound then like he's actually writing a preamble. Like, this is the forward to the book. Mm, mm-hmm. Like saying, I'll get to all the needier stuff later, but I got to start with this. Mm-hmm. We're being shaken up here, and there's a lot of garbage coming into the church right now. Mm. That seems to be the, the tenor, the, the tone of this message to the church, which makes me wonder again about what else did he write? You know, some scholars have said maybe he, in fact, is the author of Hebrews. Right. There's a lot of things about Hebrews that sound very Pauline, and it was written in ways that seem to be reflecting his style in Greek. But there's also a lot of things that he deals with, the author of Hebrews, that is, that doesn't seem to be dealt with directly by Paul in, in the way he's writing context. to other mm-hmm. people he's writing letters to. Mm-hmm. He's writing to the church, which started with and was made up of Jews. So the Hebrews, he's actually talking to Hebrews mm-hmm. or to people who identify themselves with right. of the blood and history and identity of Jesus. So I think it's quite possible here, or reading is the preamble to the book of Hebrews. That's just an opinion. Okay. I mean, and there's not a whole lot of scholarship that would lock this one in. People have very strong opinions about who the author of Hebrews was. That's what we're starting with. What do you think the big messages you take away from the very first reading? Like I said earlier, I think that Jude is just wanting to remind them where they come from Mm. and to remind them that God has passed judgment on those who distort the gospel, who distort his grace. Right. And he's not going to stand for it. I mean, he talks about just in verse five, he reminds them, okay, our ancestors were saved out of Egypt. They were rescued out of Egypt. And then they turned right around and worshiped an idol. And he destroyed those who didn't believe or disobedient. And so I don't think that Jude is trying to raise this hellfire brimstone, you know, be good or else kind of doctrine that some of us grew up in, in some very conservative churches. Some people have, you know, wagged Jude at us. And some people continue to, yeah, continue in that kind of teachings. But I think he's just saying, okay, just remember that this is the kind of thing, this is how God feels about those who distort the gospel. And there's other places where we talk about the, as Paul says, grieving the Holy Spirit, doing the things that just, as far as we can see, can't be forgiven. You cross a line in some ways by being not just rebellious, but by being blasphemous against the Holy Spirit. It was taken for granted that blasphemy was the worst thing you could ever get to. And most of it had to do with identities of individuals calling themselves out to be things they were not. The reason Jesus went to the cross is ostensibly because he blasphemed according to the court. And it was about him, his identity. And then Paul says, but you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And that's the really bad one, because that's the one that came to you. Mm -hmm. That's the one that even if you never met Jesus in the flesh, even if you weren't there at the cross, even if you weren't with the disciples in the upper room when he came to visit, the Holy Spirit has come to you. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to blaspheme that, what hope really is there? As far as man's eyes can go, we really can't see much of anything. Mm -hmm. I think Jude is saying the same kind of thing. They've really had brought the wrath of God down on themselves by blaspheming him directly. He doesn't use the word blaspheme here, but it seems to me like it's kind of indicated. Yeah, distorting the grace of God. Yeah, when you call it something it's not, or shove a bunch of stuff into it that was not there to start with, and therefore call into question what God said or put things in his mouth he did not say, Mm -hmm. that's really pushing it. Now, I would say that the snake in the garden is an example of the stuffing God's mouth with words he did not say. Yeah. 
proclaiming that God has thoughts he does not have mm-hmm. and wants you to think a certain way he does not want you to think. Well, we see evidence of the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, the accuser, yeah. distorting the word throughout scripture, right. distorting God's words. One of the things that I thought of as we were reading this and just as we were discussing this is where Jesus himself says, hey, it's a bad thing for someone to lead a little one astray. Mm-hmm. Woe to him yeah. is, you know, in a lot of translations. And that is a big deal. When yeah. when scripture says, woe to this person, it's like, take a big look at this because this is a bad situation that someone has done this. And Jesus says, it's better that a millstone is tied around his neck and he's cast into the sea or she, whomever leads a little one astray, leads an innocent one astray. Right. And I think- That's a small child, but anybody innocent, Yeah, someone who's pure in faith. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what Jude is talking about here as well. He's saying, there are those who are trying to lead you astray, and you need to understand there's judgment upon them. Jesus himself has said that. Scripture is very clear about that. God himself addressed that way back in the day when our ancestors came out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a warning to us even here and now in saying that God is not at all happy with those who distort his message and try to pull others away from the truth and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the experience, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the beginnings of all things, I mean, the awakening of the Spirit. Yeah. Not just an idea. I mean, there's plenty of philosophy out there. There's plenty of ways to bend Jesus into being a good influence without Mm -hmm. being the Son of Man and without being the Messiah, without being the Son of God, without being divine. Yeah. Lots of ways you can make good of him, but not really know him. Mm -hmm. Jude, I think, is calling us to attention here. Snap to it, guys. There are real conspiracies out there against you Mm -hmm. on the spiritual level. And other people can bring in strange teachings, which in themselves can be debated and then dispelled with. But if they create doubts that really cause damage, dividing congregations or do spiritual damage Mm -hmm. to a, a person, to a body, there's something going on here that's much, much deeper than just a disagreement over doctrine or over what is considered a sin. You know, if someone proclaims something to be true that's not, or proclaims something to not be bad that is bad, they call God a liar. Mm-hmm. And God is not about to be called a liar. And their condemnation falls on themselves by their own words. You know, God does not have to go out there and squish them like bugs on the sidewalk. They've already proclaimed their own, you know, damnation, if you want to call it that, or separation from God by their rebellion against the truth as revealed. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of that we'll unpack in the next few weeks as we get deeper into each of these little paragraphs that make up the book. But again, I would say my distillation of what we've read so far is that it feels like it's a preamble to something else that Jude probably spent a lot of time unpacking for the believers around fellowships out there in the world. What did it really mean to follow Christ? Mm-hmm. But he's starting with this one thought. Before I can even get to the teaching and celebrating this common salvation we have, we have got to deal with the fact that we're in danger. Mm-hmm. In the voice translation, it says in verse three, I've been trying to write to you about our common salvation, but my heart is heavy. Mm. And so I need to address these things. And I'm compelled to write about them and address them. So I think you're right. It could be the preamble or the letter ahead of time. I got to say these things before we get into the deep teachings that I want to remind you of, of Jesus. Yeah. And I wonder how it ended up right there tucked underneath Revelation at the end of the book. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's interesting, the positioning. The saints that go before us that had to assemble these writings into books and to collections that would become our Bible 
had to make decisions and they made decisions in a certain way to place them in certain orders. Mm, interesting thought. Not yeah. always about chronological things, but there's something about this little, almost a post note, but actually a preamble that's mm -hmm. kind of tucked in there. Yeah. So how fun it's going to be to actually unpack this and see how much judgmentalism is in there, if at all, how much of God's discernment and wisdom is there, if it's there. Mm -hmm. What's the battle royale going on? Is it really about individuals and their ideas? Is it about sin creeping into the camp? Is it something else? Or is it all of those things? Yeah. That's what we'll focus on in the next few weeks as we spend time with Jude. I would encourage you all to read the book of Jude. It doesn't take long, as it, <laughs> as you saw. We just read right through it here on the broadcast. Five minutes or less. Yeah. Uh, find a couple of different translations that you can bounce back and forth with and something that you can understand so that you don't have a ton of questions about what it's saying. And join with us to yeah. read through this book. And if you have questions about it or thoughts that provoke you, send them to us. We'd love to hear from you yeah. here at Compassion Radio. The email address, of course, directly to me would be bramfloria at CompassionRadio.com. Or there's a form on our website, too, to drop a question or a prayer request in there. We believe God's got something for us and our family at Compassion Radio that we need to hear today in a time like we're in that Jude can speak to. So mm -hmm. let's do that together over the next few weeks. Thanks for tuning our way. And we'll see you tomorrow on the next Compassion Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at one 800 868 2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.